The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 and 46 says this. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowds. After leaving them, he went upon a mountainside to pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you for new beginnings and a new year. And we thank you that as old as your word is, that it always speaks newness into our lives. So, as always, we pray for ears to hear. We pray for hearts to follow. We pray for lives and bodies that will obey. And God, I pray for the gift of preaching. It's in your son's name, your word to us, we pray. Amen. Well, welcome to all of you that are here. Welcome to everyone that is online. Welcome in the name of Jesus. Happy New Year. I hope you guys had a great holiday, even in quarantine. Here at the Springs Church, our vision is this, is that we want to allow God to transform us into the image of Christ so that many will find their way back to God. And we do this through three primary practices. The first is that we gather together. And while that's been a little bit more difficult over the past year, we've found ways to gather online. we found ways to gather together. We've found ways to connect and gather. And that's one of the the places that we think God shows up and transforms us. The second is practices that we want to grow. We want to grow into the image of Christ. And finally, we want to go. We want to go and be God's missionary people throughout the world, participating in his purposes, proclaiming his good news, and living that out and embodying that in our lives. So this year, in 2021, we want to focus on grow. So over this year, you're going to hear a lot about discipleship. And this month, in January, we want to begin with a sermon series called God and Technology, Faithfulness in a Digital World. And Kelly Osborne is going to join Brett and I in this sermon series in the month of January. We want to talk about, in an increasingly digital world, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus when everything is digital around us? So, technology is everywhere. You're sitting in technology. Chairs are technology. These lights are technology. This building is technology. Even these candles, that's technology. Anything that human beings form is technology. And it's often argued that technology, whatever it may be, this table, the candles, the microphone, this podium, that it is neutral because it's a tool. In fact, I taught a class 
at Oklahoma Christian this past, uh, this past fall, and we talked about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and have the good life, and we actually talked about technology. And I, I made this argument in class. I said, technology is not neutral. My students had a big issue with that. They're like, technology is a thing. It's not, it doesn't have a preference one way or another. It's neutral. That people behind technology may not be neutral, but technology is neutral. And I said, no, technology is not neutral because technology has a purpose. And when something has a purpose, it draws itself. It draws you to that purpose. Let me give you an example. When your legs are tired and you see a chair, what do you want to do? Exactly. When it's dark in a room and you can't see, what do you want to do? Turn on a light. When you want to go somewhere across town, what do you do? Do you see how its purpose draws it to you? And most of the time we don't think about that because not only does technology not only does humans make technology, not only do humans make and shape technology, but technology shapes us. Think about air travel. Haven't done much air travel lately. I'm sure you haven't done much either. But think about all the ways that air travel has shaped human beings. Think about the ways we experience the world now. Because I could be on an airplane tonight, theoretically. I'm not getting on an airplane tonight. And I could be in Rwanda within, what, 24 hours? For 48 hours. You lose track of time when you travel that far. I remember being in Uganda, and I remember being in a place uh, where I was all by myself. I'd driven out to a very remote area rural Uganda. There was no electric, electrical lines. There were no phone lines. There was no one around. I was in literally the wild in the country, in the middle of nowhere, Uganda, and I pulled out my cell phone, and I had bars on my cell phone. And I thought, I could call someone in Times Square. Think about People that don't have electricity but have cell phones, the way that technology has reshaped their lives. And when we use technology, when we use, most of, when we use technology, most of it, for its purposes, it's good. Technology, the chairs you're sitting in, good. The microphone, so you can hear my voice. Well, my voice might not be that good, but... The point is the microphone may be good. The lights are good. The car that you drove in this morning, the heat in your house, it's good when it's used appropriately for its purpose. It's good. But technology can use us and shape us in ways that are sometimes not good. This form of technology, screen, it has a purpose. 
And we often use this form of technology. I use it a lot and for very good things. But it's a tool that I use, and oftentimes it really makes my life more simple at times. But if we think about it as a tool, screens as a tool, particularly ones in your pocket or your laptop or your TV, right? Particularly this screen, the one in your pocket. If we think about it as a tool and we compare it to another tool like a hammer, right? Hammers are good. Hammers are tools that are useful, just like cell phones are. But I don't carry, typically carry a a hammer around in my pocket. And the only time I really use a hammer is when I see a nail or I need to hammer something. I don't think about hammers that much. They don't really enter into my sphere of influence that often. I don't use them that often. But they're very useful when I need them. But this, this is a different story. Because this, not only do I use my screen that's in my pocket for when I need my screen, it not only responds to what I demand of it, I find that this thing demands things from me. Oftentimes I feel like my screens in my life are not a means to an end, like a hammer is a means to an end, hammering a nail in. But oftentimes I feel like screens in my life aren't a means to an end, but they are ends in themselves. TV screens, computer screens, especially my phone screen. They draw me in, they draw us in, not just when we need them, but because it demands things from us. Anybody ever get notifications? In, exactly, that's perfect. Who ever did that? That's beautiful. Checks in the mail. Thank you very much. Somebody's going to be texting me right now, trying to give me a notification. These screens. They're designed to connect us to the world. However, the goal, I feel like, is no longer to connect us or to keep us in touch with the world and one another. But the goal now is that we'll no longer ever be out of touch. It erases the possibility of ever being out of touch. So it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing, if you have a device, you are connected to the world and the crowd is always with you. When you hear a ding or you feel a buzz, see if any of these things ring true for you. Ding, buzz, someone you know has just seen a great movie. Ding, buzz, someone else has had an idle thought. Ding, buzz, there's been a suicide bombing somewhere in the Middle East. Stock soared today. 
A pop star has a painful secret. Someone has a new opinion. Someone got an Uber ride. Please support this worthy cause. You got a new email. The boss needs your report from you right now. Someone wants you to join a discussion. Your phone is blowing up with text messages. There's a new episode out. Try this new recipe. Your account is overdue. Here's a brilliant analysis. The game is on. Latest picks from someone's vacation. Time is running out. Apply now. Here's my new haircut. Someone just had a baby. Click here. Click here. Click now. These things are wonderful because what they do is they appeal to our most basic human desire to connect with other people. They, they, they give us the opportunity to connect with others, with new ideas, with the world, with what's going on. This technology is good, and particularly over the past year, it's been particularly good for us because we wouldn't have been able to connect in many ways without Zoom calls, phone calls, text messages. Now, you may be tired of it, but it did allow you to connect with people. And so I'm very thankful for the ways that it's allowed us to connect. But there's an underlying assumption today that needs to be recognized and reflected on. And the assumption comes in two parts. The first part is this. Number one, that connection via screens is good. That's a basic assumption today. Connection via screens is good. And number two, the more you connect, the better. That's the second assumption. So the first assumption is connecting via screens is good, but the second one is the more you connect, the better. It's what some have called digital maximalism. And if you don't think it's true, you may not like that idea or may not agree with it, but the statistics say that you live it. So this won't surprise you. Maybe it does. But teens, on average, spend six to seven hours a day in front of screens. Now, before you adults shake your head in disgust, that adults today consume five times more information than adults 50 years ago did because of these. Adults spend just under, just around three hours on average a day watching TV. That's the screen I grew up on, the television. And for those of you that are senior citizens, they're like, oh, I'm not... Technological. No, the statistics are rising in senior citizens. So there's a statistic out there that men over 65 spend roughly six hours a day watching TV. And the numbers on digital screens is going up. Now, don't necessarily hear that and go, oh. Like, I, I look at my own life, and if you're an adult, not only are you spending watching, time watching TV, but you have your computer for work, you have your phone, 
right? And I can't imagine living my life without those things. Not, not because I love them so much, but because they're a tool that I need for my job and for my life. And... But we just need to recognize that these things can use us. They're not neutral. They can use us and shape us. So there's a story that Plato tells because this idea of wanting to connect in technology is not new to human history. It goes back even as far as Plato. And Plato writes this book called uh, Phaedrus, which actually there's a young man that's in the story. His name is Phaedrus. And he's writing about Socrates, who is this ancient philosopher. And Socrates, he loved connecting with people. So the Socratic method... I don't know, if the, the questioning and answering and learning. and I mean, this comes from Socrates, right? Love connecting and talking and, and friendship and ideas and the latest news. All the same things that we get kind of in our phone. He loved connecting. And one day he sees Phaedrus and he says, hey, Phaedrus, what are you? Phaedrus is a young man. He says, hey, what have you been doing? And he goes, oh, I just heard the most amazing speech, which at the time was speeches were something like this. this. is where you got new information and news and gossip and, right, connected with people. And he goes, what was it about? And he goes, come on, take a walk with me. And so he, they walked outside the city of Athens, and they walked for hours. And then when finally Phaedrus got done telling him all the main points of the speech that he just listened to, he noticed that Socrates... Uh, was marveling at the lovely, this lovely, tranquil place outside of Athens. And this prompted Phaedrus to observe that Socrates had never been outside the walls of Athens. And Socrates conceded that it's true. He hadn't really been outside the walls of Athens. And he said to Phaedrus, he said, forgive me, my friend, but I'm devoted to learning, and landscapes and trees have nothing to teach me. Only people in the city can do that. And so you might say that he was an ancient maximalist, and Athens was his screen that enabled his habit. City's a form of technology. So Socrates, what he was seeking was what every digital screen that everyone who has a digital screen is after. Contact. Friendship. Stimulation. Entertainment. Ideas. Professional and personal growth. But what he discovered from Phaedrus was that disconnecting from the city... And distancing himself from the crowds can lead to depth and fulfillment for what he's actually yearning for. I think in Jesus' life, you can see the same kind of story. If you read through the Gospels, you can't help but notice, if you're really paying attention, there are brief moments, but how many times Jesus gets away from the crowds? He escapes to be alone, maybe on a mountainside or in the garden, or maybe just with his close friends. 
And I think what we can learn as a disciple in a digital age, from not only the story that Plato tells, but also from Jesus' life, is that we need to be able to disconnect in order to reconnect. That it goes against our instinct that if we want to connect, the maximal, digital maximalist says, listen, connect, connect, connect. But I think what, what Jesus would say is that the connection that you're really looking for, you've got to disconnect at times to reconnect. And the first thing is to reconnect with self. So in Luke chapter 22, 39 through 32, it says this. It says, Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That disconnecting from our screens will allow us to do some self-reflection. Jesus tells his disciples, hey, pray. Come with me to the garden. Disconnect so that you won't fall into temptation. They can reflect on their own lives. And then Jesus actually reflects on his own life as well. He reflects on his desires, his motives, his fears, for some of us, it's hard to do self-reflection. And I'm not saying you've got to spend all day or 30 minutes or, I mean, but just disconnect to do at least some self-reflection. For others of us, we don't want to do it because we're afraid of what we might discover. But to ask questions like this, who are you? What gifts do you have? How are you using those for God and for service to others? What are your faults? What do you need to confess? What do you need to change? What do you really want? And then I think maybe the most important thing to reflect on is to self-reflect that you are made in God's image and God loves you. And sometimes you gotta disconnect in order to reconnect with that idea. But you also disconnect or create distance from the crowds in order to reconnect with others. So in Mark 6, 30 through 31, it says this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't have a chance to eat, he said to him, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus distances himself from the crowds in order to be able to grow closer to other people. He disconnects from the crowds, or what would be the crowds today, this is the crowds, in order to reconnect with others who are important that are right in front of him. According to Barna, which studies, uh, does some sociological study about Christianity in North America, Barna says that only one in three people 
ages 18 to 35 years old, only one in three say they feel cared for by others around them. So if you're 18 to 35, one in three say they feel cared for by others around them. And it may be because when we're around people, have you ever been this? You're with somebody, but you're not with them. The phone is where with you, or the TV, or the computer screen. In other words, disconnect, put your phone away, so that you can reconnect face-to-face to the person that's right in front of you. Jesus distances himself from the crowds so that he could go closer to those right in front. And finally, we disconnect from the crowds in order to reconnect to God. We distance ourselves from the crowds, from the screen, in order to reconnect to God. What we read earlier, Mark 6, 45 through 46 says this. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowds. After leaving them, he went up to the mountainside to pray. He disconnects to reconnect to God. He distances himself to grow closer to God. Jesus disconnects from the crowds. He creates distance from the connectedness in order to pray to reconnect to God. There's this thing called contemplative prayer. And contemplative prayer is this idea that we spend time with God in order to become more aware of God's presence in our lives. Sometimes you got to disconnect in order to reconnect to God. I'm going to be honest with you. When I get caught up, and by the way, time flies when you're on these things. Flies. This does help me connect to connect to God. I've got to be honest with you. It's not bad. This sermon's not about technology bad. That's not what this sermon series is about. But I find this thing using me and shaping me rather than me using it and shaping it. And I get so caught up in the technology that's right in front of me, the screens that are right in front of me, I don't know if I'm aware of God, much less anything else. And so we want to challenge you as you begin this new year. And we're going to need technology this year. We're going to need our screens for sure. Use them. Use them well. They're created by God for us, for us to use. But don't let it use you. Disconnect so you can do some self-reflection. Disconnect so you can reconnect to others as much as you can these days face-to-face. And disconnect from the crowds, from your devices, from your screens, so that you can reconnect to God and become more aware of His presence in your life. Let's stand and sing.